you really need to first understand and define your mission as a company, but also as your ESG initiatives and where you really want to head at kind of a global level. And then you can work on building the, the effective program and framework out in your company, but only once you've decided on that mission. ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance on the ESG report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today, I'm extremely pleased to have with me Stephen Martin. Stephen and I have been colleagues a long time, and he is a partner at Stone Turn. So, Stephen, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Always great to be on your podcast. Uh, you know, look forward to the conversation today. Stephen, could you tell us what your current role is? Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a partner at Stone Turn. Stone Turn is a global advisory services firm. I specialize really in compliance and then also working in the area of ESG, CSR. I try to work a lot with clients on the proactive side, really helping them to better their compliance programs, their ESG, CSR related programs, try to be great corporate citizens. And while the firm, you know, Stone Turn focuses a lot on compliance investigations and monitorships, it's always easier for companies to certainly be proactive about how they handle these kinds of you know, topics and issues and, and what the expectations are from, you know, the government, all of the shareholders, the employees. And that makes it fun, you know, for my job to be able to really work on helping companies be better corporate citizens. Stephen, you over the years developed a framework for compliance programs, the six elements of an effective compliance program. And you and I and, and your team at Stone Turn use those same concepts of compliance framework to come up with an ESG framework. So I found it really interesting and something I think is going to be incredibly useful. So could you just describe for our listeners visually, what does the framework look like? Yeah, so, you know, it's a really interesting topic here. You know, Tom, you and I have been working and talking about compliance, you know, for a number of years. And now there's really a focus on ESG and CSR. And you know, for those listening in that aren't familiar with that, what you're really talking about is environmental sustainability, social consciousness and governance, and then really corporate social responsibility holistically of what are the responsibilities of a corporation other than just making money, right? That's an important, critical concept. But what kind of positive impact do you have in your community, however you define it? How do you work on behalf of all employees, stakeholders, and the community in general to be a, you know, a great corporate citizen? And so when you think about it, a lot of the things that go into compliance and certainly ethical behavior, right? So taking that next step from compliance to ethics and now taking that step into ESG and CSR related activities, to me, it's kind of a natural transition, especially for compliance officers, thinking about how do they have a better seat at the table, more impact from a proactive standpoint on helping the company from a strategic initiative standpoint and, and moving the moving the thing the company forward and working with executives to really define what we're going to talk about here as you know this ESG component to corporations there's a lot of debate now or discussion really about you know should compliance officers be involved in ESG and CSR 
And I actually you know, think that the skill sets that compliance officers bring are perfect for really helping companies understand this area. And so one of the things that you and I and the team has done here is take you know, our kind of compliance framework and you know, layer on this ESG approach and CSR approach. And so that's what I really want to talk to the audience today about and walk them through it. And it is a kind of a core mission for companies. And so we'll talk about that. And then it's really what are the five elements of an effective ESG program? So why is mission and governance at the core, Stephen? So mission and, and governance, really, because when you think about it, the mission of the company, what the company is designed to do, what, it, what you're trying to do, you know, in terms of your corporate strategy is critical in ESG. I mean, you, you see companies like Whole Foods or Patagonia that are very focused on this mission that is not just about how much profitability they can drive, but how can they have a positive impact on the community? And they define their missions obviously very different from Patagonia to Whole Foods. When you look at it by industry or by type of company, the ESG and CSR related programs are very different. And so what we talk to companies about is you really need to first understand and define your mission as a company, but also as your ESG initiatives and where you really want to head at kind of a global level. And then you can work on building the, the effective program and framework out in your company, but only once you've decided on that mission. You know, so is it going to be more of an environmental focus on carbon? Is it more of going to be an international focus on what are you doing from you know, a positive social impact? And so there, you know, there are a lot of different pieces that can go into it. And companies have a lot of flexibility on how they build out an ESG program, but you can't do it unless you have a clearly defined mission. And then you have the right governance around it, meaning that you have the support of senior management and the board, that you have somebody who is, you know, the chief sustainability officer or the compliance officer is filling and taking in that role, you know, in building it into the compliance program, that you have effective resources to be able to do this both internally and externally. And so that's all really what I think of as the core, because until you define your mission and appropriately resource it, you're never really going to be effective in, in moving forward on an ESG program front. So what are some of the key questions you suggest or you would ask or you would suggest a compliance officer looking at this mission and governance core ask their company internally? I think first is what are the organization's long-term goals, you know, especially in respect to ESG. And when you think of ESG, you want to try and define, you know, each one of those kind of three categories and how you're going to have an impact. And then you want to think about, okay, what are our long-term goals? Are they realistic given our company's industry, our resources and our risk profile? You know, if you talk about reducing your carbon footprint or clean energy, that's going to be a very different conversation in an oil and gas company than it would be in a tech company or it might be in a manufacturing company. And so I think you have to think about long-term goals. Where do you want to see the company from a business standpoint, but also from a community positive impact standpoint? And then how can you realistically plan kind of in the medium to longer term timeframes to meet those goals, but only if, you know, it fits into your industry and your resources. Then I also think you want to think about how do you handle it from, from the government standpoint, which is, you know, do you build a sustainability office? You know, do you have it handled by in investor relations or communications or it is in compliance and legal? How do you market or utilize the positive impact you're having through your mission statement? And how do you think about ESG as 
you know, a business driver and something that's going to be not only good for the community, but really good for all of the stakeholders, including your shareholders in the business. I try to get companies to think about this specific topic in more of a long-term approach and then building the program to support it. So let me turn now to the five elements, Stephen. Could you go through the five elements and then maybe take us into a detailed dive into each element? Sure. You know, for the compliance folks that are listening here, you know, you're going to sort of recognize, you know, the flow of how these five elements might work. And you'll see some of the things that will be close to, you know, compliance. One is around, you know, risk and materiality assessment. And while we talk a lot about risk assessment in the compliance area, here it's really about your ESG initiatives and what risks do those pose for your organization and what kind of material impact can they have, you know, both positive or negative. We're thinking about it a little bit different in really understanding that materiality assessment uh, in looking at the program. Then we have, you know, policies and procedures. And then as companies develop them, you know, controls around it. So, you know, if you're reporting data or information, you know, and again, I'll go back to like, CO2 emissions or environmental impacts where people will be measuring those. There's all different types of things you might be measuring, but you want to set policy on ESG. And then you may set, you know, specific policies around some of the key initiatives in the program, but then really the procedures and the controls, they're going to help your company ultimately get there. The next category is reporting and communication. You know, reporting is both how do you educate folks internally in the company of why this is important, what your mission is, and how you're going to execute on it, but also your external stakeholders and reporting that information out so that people that are going to be investors in the company or going to be partners or third-party vendors are going to really understand what the expectations are around the company's ESG efforts. And then you also want to make sure that if you're a publicly traded company, that your organization's reporting aligns with some of the requirements under SASB or with the SEC or others that may be looking at this, including NGOs globally. What we're seeing is an increase, certainly, in understanding companies reporting and whether they're meeting their obligations or whether they're meeting the kind of standards or information that they're putting out publicly. And it's being tested, right? And so you're going to see that happening as well. The next category then is really around verification and monitoring, you know, so verifying the information that you're reporting, verifying with your strategic initiatives in ESG, whether you're meeting those goals, whether you're doing testing or whether you're doing tracking of admissions or whether you're doing things that will have social impact on an international front, you know, child labor or manufacturing or your, you know, your supply chain, and then really monitoring all of those, you know, the key mission portions of how you're delivering on the ESG program so that you can see it in real time and understand how you can continue to enhance the program ultimately, which is the final category, you know, response and enhancement, you know, so what refinements can you make over time that's going to help on a day-to-day standpoint, really improve your ESG efforts to meet those long-term goals that we've talked about. And so this can't be a static program. It can't be just a mission statement that says, Hey, we're a great company. We really, care about ESG and CSR related initiatives, you actually have to put out what you're going to do, then deliver on them, then verify and measure it, and then continue to enhance your program. That's going to be the expectations, whether you know it's a government organization that's requiring the reporting or whether it's going to be your employees or stakeholders. Are you really meeting your ESG mission and targets that you've set out for the company? Stephen, you talked a little bit earlier about the role of the compliance function and the chief compliance officer. I see compliance is really uniquely situated to lead ESG for 
a couple of other reasons other than the elements you went through. One is that compliance literally works across an organization. It, it really has a touch point in every other corporate function. And now with the Department of Justice mandating the availability of data, that's only enhanced the compliance officer's really transactional ability to review and influence corporate policy. So I see compliance as really having the framework or the professional background to do the five elements, plus compliance has touch points in every other corporate discipline so that they can draw upon that experience as well. Do you see those as key points or do you see the reason compliance should lead the ESG effort, in your opinion, is something different? No, look, I think those are, I think the ones you've highlighted are important. I mean, I think, you know, compliance officers can have the right background. They can have the right level in a company and exposure. I think they, unlike just legal or finance, I think, like you said, they have a broader approach to how they think about it. And they're sort of used to dealing with risk and putting in place, you know, more proactive measures around it. But then they're also good at kind of tracking information and understanding how to create a program. You know, so I think all those play into it as well. You know, I think companies to have it segmented out in just in investor relations, it becomes just really a marketing play, right? Or kind of for shareholders. And, and I think that doesn't have as, as strong of an impact in terms of driving it forward, especially from this, you know, monitoring, verification or reporting standpoint. I also don't think it really fits in in terms of just being a finance function or just being kind of an ops function. I think it really needs to be more holistic across the company. And that's why compliance officers are, I think, in the best position to be able to drive this. I think it folds nicely into a compliance program, not only kind of these elements that would be similar, but again, you're talking about ethics and compliance and what the company do can reduce risk and maximize the performance of the business and protect the employees and, you know, engage with all the stakeholders, that's what compliance should be doing too, right? And that's exactly what you would do in your ESG and CSR related programs. So I think, I think it's very much a natural fit, you know, and I encourage compliance officers certainly to be thinking about how he or she can get involved in ESG and CSR and why that would be good, you know, from a continuing approach to ethical behavior from a company. You know, as you know, I used to teach at a major university and helped start a institute for enterprise ethics, really talking about sustainability and ethics and leadership. Those ties are in compliance, they're in ESG, they're throughout the company. And if you're really having a positive impact on the culture from a compliance standpoint, you can do the same and probably even better with an ESG CSR framework that's part of your compliance program. Stephen, you've had several professional careers. You've been a prosecutor, you've been an in-house corporate lawyer, you have worked in law firms, and now you're in an advisory practice. But as part of that, in the early part of this century, you were in the corporate world after uh, Enron and perhaps one other scandal whose name escapes me that you were involved with. But you were there in the corporate world after Sarbanes-Oxley was implemented. And you were in the corporate world when we had really our first wave of aggressive FCPA enforcement in the mid-aughts, if I can use that word. And I really wanted to introduce that because it strikes me that you have seen some major innovations from the legal perspective, and you have seen and been a part of teams that have responded to those major innovations from the legal perspective, both Sarbanes-Oxley and the increase in FCPA enforcement. And so now we're really at the cusp of another initiative 
not so much legal driven, but almost investor driven, which is ESG. And do you see any parallels to that? And what should companies be thinking about in responding to this uh, shareholder and investor driven desire for uh, greater ESG reporting? At the outset, my initial reaction to your question is you're just calling me old here, Tom, right? Because we've been doing this for a long time. And as you kind of walk through that, I was like, oh, geez, it's been, it's been quite a while. You know, it has been interesting. When I left the U.S. Attorney's Office to join this high-flying tech company called WorldCom, right, where they were supposedly the best and brightest, and this $100 billion tech company, you know, and it was an exciting opportunity. I remember getting there, and this was in kind of the late 90s, early 2000s, and, you know, showed up and talked to, I guess, early 2000s, our legal head there, and we were talking about putting in a compliance program. The company had no compliance program. And so, you know, developed out a code of conduct and an international version to the code of conduct and started building a compliance program. And I remember, you know, the word came back that Bernie Ebers, the CEO, who obviously went to prison for 24 years or whatever it was, said, I don't know why we need a code of conduct. We're the most ethical company I know, right? And this was back when Enron and WorldCom and all of them were struggling and compliance was really just a paper program, if anything. You know, now we've watched in terms of developing all this technology, whether it's around risk or monitoring or data analytics and third parties. And it's really evolved from, you know, how do you build a code of conduct and maybe have some policy and training into, you know, a robust infrastructure. And we're right at the same stage now, really, with ESG. There have been companies who were built on this idea, right? This principle of we put community first and we're going to focus on, you know, these ESG topics, not because they were ESG, but because they thought it was the right way to do business. You know, and you've heard CEOs from Patagonia talk about how critical it is to have the, the lasting impact and a positive impact on the community. You've heard John Mackey from Whole Foods talk about conscious capitalism and what that means. And you really saw now executives from some of these companies, you know, during this COVID time, really sign on to this pledge about being better corporate citizens. At the same time, you have seen activism out by employees and by consumers, and now taking turns, you know, investors that are looking at it. We're very much at the early stages on ESG and CSR, but I'm very excited because this is going to be a game changer on having corporations do more than just make money, right? Again, back to that comment, it's, it's positive. You want to have, you know, strong economics, you want to have capitalism driving things, but I think you really can be, you know, a, a organization that cares about the broader areas than just money. And more important, the companies that do it the right way you know, that really embrace this can really maximize the performance of the entity in all ways, right? Not just revenue, but employee retention and employee onboarding and hiring and customers that want to uh, deal with companies like that and consumers. And so it can be really very much a game changer. And But we are at the early stages here, right? A lot of companies are just trying to figure it out, or they've really only had it as kind of a marketing push, or they've just had you know, what used to be the code of conduct out there, just statements about their mission with, without any really framework or program behind it. And so now you're seeing companies start to understand and compliance officers for sure, trying to figure out how they get involved in this and really help lead the efforts for the company. Stephen, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on Stone Turn and its offerings, where could they go? Sure, they can as my kids always say, we'll just Google it, right? You can go to uh, stoneturn.com and certainly find out more about what we're doing. 
or feel free to reach out to me, which is smartin at stoneturn.com. And always happy to talk to any of your listeners, provide this framework or any other information that people are interested in. You know, how do you get involved in ESG and CSR? I mean, it's a, it's a fun game changer for companies and it really has a positive impact on our world, which was awesome because, you know, when you're trying to look for things that are meaningful to do, this is something you can really do to help your business and your company. Well, Stephen, this has been a fascinating exploration of what I think is going to be a, a key element framework and the five elements going forward. So I look forward to continuing the conversation. Great. Thanks for having me on. It's always great, Tom, and fun to always listen to your podcast. So, uh, you know, continue on doing what you're doing.